Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings. It's been a while. Um, I've been watching Ahsoka, and I wanted to just lay out a few thoughts on how I'm feeling about it and questions and confusion and etc. Um, before we get to the end of the show. Well, it's still fresh in my mind, I guess. Uh, if you want to find me online and connect with me and talk Star Wars, I'm always open to that. You can find me at The Virtual Jedi on Instagram. You can find me, Kiri Mohan, on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. Um, and you obviously can find me on my blog, starwarsanon.wordpress.com. That's Star Wars A, N as in Nancy, O, N as in Nancy, .wordpress.com. That is where you can find a whole bunch load of articles that I wrote when I had time for about 10 years. There's a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff in there. So please go check it out. Anyway, so Ahsoka, it's been on Disney Plus for, I mean, I think we're six episodes in, maybe seven. I don't even know. Um, and that's not the problem, right? I don't really know if I enjoy it. In fact, I would say I'm bored most of the time. I don't look forward to it. I find it's very slow moving and there's absolutely very little humor which makes it hard for me to get excited about it people have complained that the mandalorian is slow moving but there's enough character quirks and personalities and enough background intrigue that makes me want to continue to watch and that is one of my favorite shows that disney plus has put on despite my misgivings about the third season and thinking it was a little uh shaky <laughs> i do think the first season and the second season were pretty strong and grogu i mean come on baby yoda how can you not like Grogu? uh so ahsoka though it's hard and i think it's the characters a lot and um as a friend kind of pointed out and i agree with him it's very much like here are three or four things we want to cover in the show we meet up with ahsoka she connects to sabine they decide they want to go stop Thrawn from coming slash rescue Ezra and then what who knows but that's like it just seems like three or four points that they need to hit and everything else they just need to fill it in and they're like in the meantime right uh and so it makes it very slow and I find the characters Ahsoka especially a drag oh gosh like she was definitely more serious than the Mandalorian and I maybe I should have that should have raised flags that she is different than how she was in the Clone Wars but when you get so used to a character in the Clone Wars and and she had a wonderful character arc in the Clone Wars I went from hating Ahsoka to being a big fan and then in Rebels she she did get she had her moments as well I don't think she was as strong of a character but then again the show wasn't about her right like the show was about uh, Kanan and Hera and Ezra and Zeb, right? And Chopper. <laughs> so it's just different. Um, and to be, oh, rescued. <laughs> but she's a, she's a real mopey girl in this, in this show. I mean, she walks around, she folds her arms all the time, which makes me want to go back in the Clone Wars and be like, did she do this in the Clone Wars? Like, do I, it's been a while. I rewatched it in 2020. And then I watched the new seasons of Disney Plus when Ahsoka kind of went on her own. I don't really remember her crossing her arms that much. And if I did, maybe because it's animated, it didn't take away from it as much. But with Rosario Dawson and crossing her arms all the time, it's just like, oh gosh, stop crossing your arms. It's almost getting like <laughs> annoying. <laughs> and she's moopy. And like, she's not snips. She's not sarcastic or have a few quips here or there. It's just all like, <sighs> 
you would think, and I pointed this out to one of my friends too, like you would think at like the empire has been destroyed. Everything that you've worked so hard for has come to be. And everyone in the show is doom and gloom. They make like references to it and even since always like, oh, it's so hard to rebuild a government. Oh no, Thrawn is coming. It's like in general, I thought I would see a little bit more excitement, but no, Thrawn is coming. And then there's this obsession with Ezra. I don't get it. Yes, I've seen Rebels before anyone. He's like, have you seen Rebels? Yes, I have seen Rebels. <laughs> but it's almost bordering on unrealistic on Sabine's side. They, in Rebels, I didn't feel this closeness of their characters, this attachment of their characters that they are trying to amplify in the Ahsoka TV show. They definitely were close and comrades, but if you remember, Ezra entered the fold a little bit later. Well, kind of ish first season, but whatever. But his his attachment and his his uh, I think main source of inspiration really was Kanan Jarrus and Kanan Jarrus died. So now Sabine in Ahsoka is just obsessed with finding Ezra, and it just does not seem to match up with idealistic to me. I feel like it's a little bit like it. If this happened to anyone else in any universe, like, why would they be that obsessed? It would be kind of like, okay, they disappear. They hope they're living a good life, but they're not worth sacrifice. Yeah, it makes me sound like a bad person. Now I'm thinking I sound like a bad person. Maybe I don't have good enough friends. Okay, let's let's pretend it was my husband. Would I be doing it? Okay, no, let's, let's pretend it's my child. <laughs> let's pretend it's my child who disappeared on some purgles with a known enemy then would I be that obsessed with fighting them? Yes. But that is my blood-related child. Maybe that makes me a bad friend, okay? Maybe it does. Maybe it makes me a bad friend. But I'm thinking the only type of person, not even my husband, would I want to travel across galaxies to try to find because the risk of that is is high. It's really high that I might not come back and that I might not like live in the present and love what I have, right? So... Only my child or one of my children would I do that for. So it seems like, to me, a little unrealistic. But again, maybe I'm just a hard, cold-hearted person. But it seems a little obsessive and weird, especially as the characters. I didn't get that level of obsession with each other when I was watching Star Wars Rebels. Further, we meet Ezra in the last episode. And he's like, oh, I always knew you would find me. And he's like really close to... Where Thrawn and the Witches of Dathomir were, and I know that they were on the Star Destroyer and whatnot, but I'm like, dude, I know you're moving around all the time because he mentions that, but I wouldn't, like, how has Thrawn not sought him out and just, like, killed him or, like, you know, like, it, it just seemed a little baffling, but that's, that's not here or Um, so yeah, I just want to kind of go into that character section. Like, the, the only one that seemed to, have a little bit of humor is the droid, the Jedi droid, which like from the Clone Wars was so unremarkable and uninteresting to me that I, like I know, I think it was David Tennant that voices him and I remember people being excited about that. But um, I just remember like, that's the only humor we have? Him? Like Chopper appears sometimes, but he's definitely a tertiary character. Tertiary is the right word? Third character? Not even a second character. It's like a third character. Yeah, so um, the characters are just not doing it for me. Like, even Morgan Elspeth, it's like, the whole show 
And again, I'm glad this is called meanderings and ramblings because I, I don't seem to have a focus here. But the whole show is going off into this world where the end of Rebels was. And the end of Rebels is what I didn't like. I enjoyed the beginning seasons. I thought it was very strong. But then the Inquisitors disappear. They seem to just like fade off into the distance. We start getting the world between worlds. We get the, the Bendu. Um, and then we get, you know, that weird assassin at the end. And then Ezra goes off on Purgles with Thrawn. And you're just like, what? It just jumped off the deep end for me. And I just couldn't stand bored with it. It turned into like this fantasy story of like very convoluted fantasy story that I've read in novels, not the Star Wars, which seems to always be based in some sort of realism that you can relate to. Sure, there's the Force. Sure, there's different planets and there's machines we've never seen and spaceships and asteroid fields. But it, it's always grounded in some sort of reality of relatability. And the end of Rebels didn't have that. So I had a feeling when we got to Ahsoka that we might, the show might be on that same direction. And it was. And like, I feel like that was very clear in the first episode they're talking about, which is Dathomir and trying to find this galaxy. And it's just, it's gone beyond what you can watch as a fan, as an average fan. Like, let's look at someone like my husband, who is like knows enough through living with me right he knows enough he's not a he's probably a casual fan but a little bit more than a casual fan and he watches the episodes he's just like what this was i don't understand what's going on i'm like my god i know the amount of star wars knowledge you have to have in order to understand this episode kind of reminds me of the rise of skywalker where it was all like oh and there's this and there's exile and then there's cloning and then there's Snoke is going to be in there. And then there's this little like weird Sith all around that we're trying to find. What? Like you have to know all this Star Wars knowledge to really, I don't want to say enjoy the Rise of Skywalker because I don't know if that's possible, but to really like follow the plot line. And that's what Ahsoka is turning into. And if you're going to have the a Witch of Dathomir, please paint her white because that is what we are all used to in the Clone Wars. She's not painted white. She's Morgan Elspeth, right? And then we're supposed to believe she's the Witches of Dathomir veering from what you set up in the Clone Wars. And again, there's a lot of like veering from Star Wars mythology where David Filoni is like, oh, you know, I created this, so I think I'll just do what I want. So then we come back to one of my main issues, uh, the world between worlds. And I have a whole episode of this with Michael Miller, episode seven, go back and listen to it. I think it's over a year ago it was um, aired. But the world between worlds, I think, was a bad concept to introduce into the Star Wars universe. There are a lot of people who argue against it because it's a closed loop time loop. Closed loop time, time, closed loop time travel, I guess something like that, right? Like where everything that happened was meant to happen. So if it happens between the world, between worlds, think of Harry Potter, right? Oh, and this is something I actually brought up with Michael, I think last week or two weeks ago. Like Harry, like people always bring up Harry Potter. Like think of the prisoner of Azkaban. Like Harry's waiting and waiting for his father to do the stag, right? To do the Patronus stag. And then he realizes, oh my God, it's me. So he does the Patronus stag, even though he's gone back in time. And that was always what's meant to happen. So he didn't change anything, right? Like that's supposed to be this closed loop. So Ezra pulling Ahsoka out was always meant to happen. Um, But but you just introduce this concept of this closed loop time travel that I don't, that I think, I agree with Michael, that I think Dave Filoni introduced it to keep Ahsoka alive forever, indefinitely. 
But you also introduce it, and it just starts getting confusing for fans. It just gets weird. And then when you have Anakin jump in as Hayden Christensen, and you could argue that's fine, right? Because he shows up as a Force spirit. And Lucas changed that in the DVDs, and it's Hayden Christensen, so it is what it is. But can it, why is he coming back into the world between worlds and going between flip-flopping between dark side and light side, Anakin? It, it seems bizarre to me. And I can't quite wrap my head around that because it just, for some reason, seems inconsistent, and I can't figure out why I think it's inconsistent. But it seems like if you're going to, if you were in the, time of at post return of the jedi where anakin has been redeemed from the dark side and he comes into the world between worlds and even if you go back in time like they did in they and we see the clone wars live action then how many then jump forward and switch to dark side anakin and light side anakin? see what i mean like you're you're starting to create these like really convoluted plots and depth of story and and to come back to harry potter one of the things i want to point out is that rowling kind of noticed hey this is going to be an issue in further books in the story this time travel so what i'm going to do is i'm going to destroy them all so at the end of the order of the phoenix they are going rampant in the you know mysteries room or whatever and they all get destroyed. The time turners get destroyed. And there's none, no more. And the Ministry of Magic decides it's a good idea not to create anymore. So she kind of realized, like, maybe I shouldn't. Like, it served its purpose. That's it. Right? And I, I'm afraid that Filoni is not going to see it as serving its purpose. And it's just going to keep coming back and back and back. Because he just wants to keep bringing back old characters like Anakin, like Obi-Wan. I can't say I was thrilled to see Anakin. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I should have guessed this. But I thought I was going to be some kind of flashback, not like the world between worlds. I mean, I knew the world between worlds was going to happen, but I thought maybe she should see Ezra in there or something. I don't know. And I just felt like, hey, you're introducing something, and I'm not even excited to see Anakin, and I started flip-flopping. It just got weird. So, hmm. I'm not a fan of world between worlds. Again, you're starting to take it outside of, like, the realism that so attracted me, and I think so many people to Star Wars. The human connections that were there, you start bringing into the mystical, which is, you could argue, yes, of course, Yoda had the force and there was the force and all that. And that was that mystical element. And people got angry and the Phantom Menace when it was reduced down to many chlorians, right? They thought it took the mystical element out of it. But I just feel like you're going mystical times a thousand. <laughs> and it's just being like, oh, I'm not feeling like this is something I can relate to anymore. I don't feel like this is a, a storyline I want to be part of. And when I say when I want to be part of, if you read past blog posts, like I have, I get attracted to movies when I'm like, oh, I want to be in that world. I want to be one of those characters. I start imagining myself walking around in those worlds. Like, you know, it's so much fun to do that for me. Even now at age 36, it's fun to do that. And I don't feel that with Ahsoka. Um, the last time I really felt that, like the, the Mandalorian for sure, here and there. Um, definitely the first season. I love Solo. I actually thought Solo kind of went along that fun world and, and, you know, grounded in this realism that I enjoy. I mean, Ron Howard worked with Lucas, so mm, he didn't work with him on Star Wars, but he worked with him on American Green Phoebe. So maybe he knows a little bit about 
him better than Filoni. I don't oh no, I can't see that. So sorry. <laughs> um yeah, so I I I did love between worlds. Okay. Listen to my episode seven with Michael Miller and you'll find more opinions on that. Um last thing I kind of want to bring up. Oh, I did like the Clone Wars flashback. I thought that was actually really cool. And seeing young Ahsoka and Anakin together, it was cool. I liked that a lot. Um, so Ahsoka has this quote in episode three, and she says, she's talking to Sabine about training in the force, and she goes, talent is a factor, but training and focus are what truly define someone's success. Not everyone can handle the type of discipline it takes to master the ways of the force. Start small. And I was like, whoa. Okay, so Disney has been kind of, again, flip-flopping, but kind of trying to ram down our throat that you have the force when you have some kind of genealogy or background or genetics of other people who are strong in the force. Now, Ryan Johnson tried to take that away in episode eight. Your parents are nobody, Ray. You're just really strong in the force. Get used to it. That's how it is, right? And then they like, oh, sorry, Ryan, everyone hated your movie. So J.J. Abrams is back and J.J. Abrams is like, yes, she's really strong in the force because she is related to Palpatine. And you're like, well, okay, it's all back to family. And she renames herself Skywalker. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then they throw on this line in the third episode. And I actually haven't done any research online. I meant to. And but to see how other if other fans notice this and what they thought of it. <laughs> Just getting so confused because I'm like, okay, well, the force is related to how many midichlorians you have. So if you have more midichlorians in your family, then you are more likely to be strong in the force. So I think what Dave Filoni is saying, like everyone has midichlorians, right? The force is in all living things, as Yoda says. So therefore, Ahsoka is saying, Sabine, you do have the force, even if you might not have it as, and they make it like they say over again, over and over again, the droids like, oh, I would never change it or whatever. Why can't I remember his name? I keep saying, thinking David Tennant and I don't remember his name. I might even be wrong on David Tennant. Um, but anyway, so, you know, they keep stressing that they would have never trained her. She's not very good. She doesn't have the force very strongly. And I'm sure that's going to change because they're stressing it so much that by the end of the series, they're going to be like, yes, being so strong in the voice. But now they're trying to emphasize that anyone can have the force. And this is where they're, they're not matching up with their stories. If you feel that, then why did we stress so hard in The Rise of Skywalker that Rey had the genetics of the Force? And then Lucas in episode one is saying it's all down to midichlorians. And then Yoda is saying it's in all living beings. It's starting to get confusing. It's starting to not make sense. And that's bothering me. <laughs> like, can anyone have the Force? Like, to me, what if we're trying to tie all those three different points together, it sounds like everyone has the force, but some people have it in really small amounts, and it's not really trainable. You can't grow the force in you. You can't grow midichlorians within you, okay? It just You have what you have. Like like we say to our, my daughter, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. So Sabine, you've got very small amount of midichlorians. It's not like you're like basically we have no one else to train. You have a slight aptitude for it, maybe because of our Mandalorian past. Who knows? But you have a slight aptitude toward it, towards it. So we're gonna try to enhance it as best we can. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know anymore because I don't know what they're trying to say. 
Yeah, she because like it seems like Ahsoka saying training and focus are what truly truly defines someone's success. Not everyone can handle the type of discipline it takes to master the ways of the Force. So really, if anyone has the Force, all they need to do is train hard enough at it, and they'll grow. Really, because that doesn't match with the midi chlorians. I don't know. I don't understand it. And this is another flip flopping that I'm kind of like Disney. Can you get your act together so I understand the Force and who has it and who doesn't, and can anyone grow it? Because originally, in the original trilogy, when people, the original fans who were alive back then, that's what they thought it was. Like, anyone had the force and you could they cultivate it. At least this is my understanding from some interviews. But you could cultivate it and grow it. But then Lucas squashed that in the prequel trilogy. So I don't know. I don't know. It's getting confusing again. <sighs> Overall, I'm not enjoying it. I don't look forward to it every week. In fact, I forget that it even aired. And I'm like, oh, shoot, it's like Thursday. And I'm like, oh, i got to watch this show. I forgot. This last episode was kind of okay. Thrawn was back. I don't like his voice as much. I liked the Thrawn voicing Rebels. I thought that was way better. Fine, whatever. Anyway, I, I kind of just wanted to be done. And I hope they don't explore it anymore. I know they will because they have that movie coming out where they're going to explore Ahsoka and the Mandalorian and everything's going to combine into that movie. And then hopefully Ahsoka dies in that movie. And the way... The reason why I think maybe there's a chance that she's going to die is because in The Rise of Skywalker, when Rey is in, like, you know, all the voices in her head, one of them is Ahsoka. Use the Force Ray or whatever. One of them is Ahsoka, and that means that she is dead. So by the time in The Rise of Skywalker, I don't know, they might say, oh, no, no, she's not dead. She's in the world between worlds, because I can see them doing that. But I think it's time to say goodbye to her. And I think in that movie, please, Filoni, please, please kill her off. Please. have her just being flashbacks right <laughs> or knowing him will pull her into the world between worlds again but just just end her she's she's gone on too long anyway again i feel bad saying that but that's how i feel i just wanted to end with a story it's a fun one i actually meant to begin with a story but my daughter last night was so cute we were talking about where does hatred come from right um it was part of this like little bible story she had and you know, I said, you know, remember Yoda? I said, fear leads to hate. And she's like, yeah, hate leads to what, mama? I said, fear leads to hate. Hate leads to anger. Anger leads to suffering. And I said, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? And she's like, couldn't quite understand that full concept, but she said, you know, it's like a line. You have a straight line in the beginning. And then it starts getting really squiggly, but it's still a line. It's getting squiggly. And then it turns into lots of little dots. And then they turn into other dots further and further apart. And that's when you get to the dark side. And you're just like, oh, and I was like, wow, okay, so the straight line is like the light side? She's like, yeah, it's the light side of force when you get somewhere. And then you start getting the squiggles, and you're still on the light side of force, but you know, you might might be getting hatred. And then the dots are like, you're getting closer, and then when the dots are further apart, ah, oh, hatred! And you're on the dark side. I was like, alright. Seven-year-old's way of thinking of the forest and the dark side. I like it. Anyway, that is my thoughts on Ahsoka right now. Um, May the force be with you. Again, you can find me at the virtual Jedi, Star Wars and non.wordpress.com, or even on LinkedIn, where I share Star Wars quotes that are business related. And I actually shared that Ahsoka one, believe it or not. And as much as I despise it, I thought it was actually very applicable to business. So follow me there. I love hearing from you guys. And I appreciate you all. May the force be with you.